wow God. What a wow God season Christmas is, and we are so happy to welcome you wherever you're making your connection with us as Christ Journey family today, Gables Campus, Kendall Campus, across the nation, around the world, through our church online campus, we welcome you and we pray that this would be a day, this, this would be a day that God could wow you with his love and his truth. Now, my mother's father, Charlie Cox, loved to play Pinochle. You know, if you're from Cuba, you play dominoes. If you're from Kansas, you play pinochle. And one of the things my mother and I like to talk about is remember how grandpa used to hold his cards, how, what he would talk about during the game, things he would say. Like, for instance, if, if an opponent played a jack that he topped with a king, he would always say, never send a boy in to do a man's job. Never send a boy in to do a man's job. Now, the lesson wasn't about cards. The lesson wasn't about gender. You know what the lesson was? It was about knowing what it takes to get a job done and then making sure you show up with that. If you show up with less, then you may regret it. And maybe you can think of a time when you showed up with less and uh, know what I'm talking about. For instance, uh, maybe too little money at the end of your date to cover your date. Or maybe uh, too little time to deliver on your promise. Or too little strength to finish the whole competition. Or maybe too little food, not enough food to serve all of your guests. So at the last minute, what are you doing? Man, sending out to KFC or to Pollo Tropical. You know, try to get some more chicken. Get it in here so that we've got enough to cover everybody. I'm wondering... Because we can probably all think of a time when uh, what we thought would be enough wasn't. And we had to make adjustments. I'm wondering if Isaiah was dealing with that fear when he was announcing the coming Messiah. Because the words he used to announce what God was doing didn't really sound all that full of power. Uh, in fact, <laughs> they, were, they were the kind of things, uh, the kind of words that would make people think these kind of things, like, uh, I don't get it, with um, confusion and, and doubt. Or maybe, yeah, right, with cynicism. Or, um, or how's that gonna work? just raising questions and, and suspicion. What was it that Isaiah was saying? Chapter six, verse 13. Now you remember, the last time we got together, it was, we talked about what a dark time it was. Man, God, what a mess. What a big mess. And so Isaiah, writing from that same period, he says this, houses are left desolate. Uh, the fields are ruined and ravaged. The forest... The land is utterly forsaken and the trees are all cut down. Can you imagine? To the point that only stumps remain. Sounds like a war zone. And yet the last line of Isaiah 6, verse 13, reads, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. What? Messiah will spring from the stump of a cut-down tree? 
Are you sure about that? Hey, listen, my grandpa would say, don't send a boy in to do a man's job. Now, you may recognize these words. Here's Isaiah 7, 14. Perhaps you recognize these words from a song in Handel's Messiah, Christmas Messiah. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Okay, wait a minute. How's that going to work? Now, we know the story looking back from this side, right? But imagine trying to make sense of this prophecy when you heard it for the first time. How will a virgin give birth? Come on. Or even if you understand the Hebrew word used here for virgin means an unmarried young woman who is old enough to be married. Okay, how will the birth of a newborn to an unmarried young woman be called God with us? Come on, that's usually called something else, isn't it? Scandalous. Talk about unlikely. And then a baby coming to the rescue in such a dark time. Get serious. Come on. Remember, never send a boy in to do a man's job. That's what my grandpa said. There's a job to be done. And speaking of the job, what is it? Well, Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 42 tells us. I'm going to give you some words. These also are words that Handel weaves into his masterpiece music in the Messiah. From an inauspicious beginning, God's servant... His chosen anointed one will bring justice to the nations, Isaiah says. That's part of his job. Verse 2 in chapter 42 says that he will not do it by shouting or by crying out or by raising his voice in the streets. In other words, it wasn't going to be done by politics the way we understand it. Here's what he says. A bruised reed he will not break. A bruised reed, you know, when a reed is bent over, he doesn't snap it off. A smoldering wick, he will not snuff out. It's like instead he tries to fan it back into flame. His justice will be full of understanding and compassion and restoration. What does that look like? Well, Apostle Paul says in his letter to Galatians, Galatians chapter four, verse four, look at this. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might, be, we might receive the full rights of of sons. Paul says, Isaiah's prophecy came true in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ's job as Messiah is redeeming people like us into full rights as God, in God's family. The rights of a firstborn son in God's family. But it came through a newborn baby to a woman under the law. Now, what do we say to that? How about this? <laughs> wow, God. Wow, God. What a small solution. Have you seen a newborn baby? They come pretty small. And here's what God says. Let me show you how big small can be. You know, small can be pretty big. A diamond ring is small. 
but it can mean the world. It can be as big as the world when, when someone is saying yes to love, right? Or a smile. I mean, a smile can, can be a small thing, but it can lift a soul, a sad heart when it's offered, when it's warm and when it's real, a smile. A seed is small, but it holds the potential of a forest. Somebody said, you know, any atheist can count the number of seeds in an apple. God can count the number of apples in a seed. It's small, but in a big way. A nightlight, a nightlight, small, but it can guide you out of a big, dark space, right? How much light does it take to get you out of a dark room? Just a little, just a sliver, just a crack in the door is enough to show you the way. You know those little uh, light switches? that have a mini bulb in them. I mean, it's so small, but there's enough light in that little bulb in the little switch to show you how to get to the next level of light. Maybe if you follow the light you've been given, God will give you more. A key, a key is small, but in the right ignition, it can move tons of machinery a multi-ton vehicle. The microchip, the microchip is small, but oh my goodness, it has led the digital revolution, right? And did you know this? Listen to this. The International Space Station is powered by eight solar panels, each one longer than a Boeing 777 aircraft. Now, if the station loses power, it's going to eventually be drawn into Earth's atmosphere, destroyed in re-entry, and scattered debris on the planet. Not a happy thought, right? Well, back in 2012, when the crew had a malfunction in the switching unit, three of those eight panels uh, that were relaying power to the station were inoperative three of the eight panels were not able to relay power to the station. So the astronauts get out there on a spacewalk outside uh, to check it out. They discovered the problem. Metal shavings gathered around a bolt that refused to move. So you know what they did? To free up this stubborn bolt and save the $100 billion space station, $100 billion, B billion dollar space station. How did they do it? With a $3 toothbrush. Here it is. Look at that. A $3 toothbrush. There it is, small, but oh my goodness, this is small. Is sometimes small is big, right? Like when a, when a baby arrives, just when you think you know love, something little comes along to remind you how big it really is. By the way, did you know we've recently welcomed a big little guy into our family? Oh my goodness, yeah, there he is. Now you knew it was coming, right? But I wanna tell you, man, this little guy has a big name, Cedar Sampson William Conrad. Cedar, Samson, William, Conrad, <laughs> big and small. You know, God wants us to know that in Christmas, he's gone small in a big way, a really big way. Actually, small is the new big, God is saying at Christmas. But, but wait, you know, Bill, we want God to act in big 
big ways when he shows up. You know, we want uh, win the lottery kind of, of ways. It's like, Lord, don't just do it. Do it big. Heal the disease. Move the mountain, right? Do it in the big way, God. Why do we want that? Well, I'm thinking maybe because we want God to show off. You know, I'd love for God to show off and remove all doubt from the skeptics and prove himself. You know, we, we imagine that God will, uh, will get big glory if he gets a big win. And so I, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Or maybe it's because we feel small. I mean, we know that, uh, that we have limited resources, we have fragile health, we, we get our feelings hurt, you know, we're vulnerable emotionally, we feel so small sometimes. So we want our bodyguard to show up with his guns, you know, show, show what he's got. Help us feel safe. Goliath's pretty big, you know. Are you sure Shepherd David is, uh, has got what it takes? You sure David's the right choice? You know, you don't send in a boy to do a man's job, right? Uh, David's not even shaving yet. And it's like God says this. It's, it's God's way. Let me show you how big small can be. David, uh, I want you to go, but don't take a sword. I mean, uh, take, take a stone. No, 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 a small stone. Take a small stone. And then prophet Zechariah, doesn't he say this? Don't despise the day of small things. Small things can pack a powerful punch, like the word Hallelujah. You know, I heard a BBC report, a researcher say that Handel intended the word hallelujah to be good for your body and good for your soul. The hallelujah chorus, three and a half minutes long and over 70 times in that song is the word hallelujah. It's like the hallelujah chorus in three and a half minutes includes 70 plus hallelujahs in this unstoppable jubilant repetition of heart pulsing rhythm. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Boom. 70 times, over 70 times. He reaches out to grab us by the heart and lift us into the worship of the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. What is it they say? You know, it's not the size of dog in the fight. It's the size of fight in the dog. There's a lot of fight in the hallelujah dog. After the first London performance of the Messiah, a friend congratulated Handel on the excellent entertainment and Handel's response. He said, I should be sorry if I only entertained them. I wish to make them better. I wonder if God feels that way about us. You know, when we're, we're asking him to make us happy, to entertain us, and God is saying, you know, if you just let me, I could change. I could make health. I could make you better. Now, how do we bring all of this home? Let me try. Part of the lesson is this. Don't underestimate God. Don't underestimate God. Don't prejudge by appearances. This is not easy for us. We do it all the time. But God is saying small is big when God is in it. Don't underestimate that stump. 
Don't underestimate that virgin, that little town called Bethlehem, that newborn baby, that Galilean, that Nazarene. Don't underestimate the solution God sends you. And don't count yourself out if you feel small. God is full of surprises. And he can bring big things from small beginnings. Even your seeming failures can be steps to success. In so many ways on the surface, Christmas story looks like a mistake. A virgin expecting a baby? Right? And I'm thinking, now don't, don't every one of us, everybody has something in our lives that we wish didn't appear a certain way to others because we think it's gonna disqualify us. Can I tell you something? Don't think your mistakes have disqualified you. Your sins can be forgiven. Your life can have a new start. How about this for another lesson? God wants to be approachable. God wants to be approachable. On Mount Sinai, God shows himself through holy fire. I mean, it's virtually unapproachable on the mountain. And yet in Messiah, he comes through a baby in a manger. Aren't babies easy to approach? You just want to walk over and look at him and go, oh, look, he's got, look at those little feet and those little toes and oh my, those fingers, you know, non-threatening, so, so easy to approach. And I look at my little guy, Cedar, and I'm thinking, man, look at all the, the potential waiting to be unleashed there. I'm wondering if that's what God is saying here. Latent potential waiting to be unleashed in that little child. Don't underestimate God. Instead, approach God with faith in his latent potential that could be unleashed in your life. I think this is the takeaway. Approach God with faith in his latent potential to be unleashed in your life. Isn't this what Jesus taught? The grown Jesus taught this. Ask, seek, and knock. They may seem like small things, but they can yield big results. The one who, everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds for the one who knocks on the door, the door will be opened, Matthew 7, 8. Seeker, are you waiting for God to do a big thing? To prove that he's real to you? You know, his power and his presence showing up for you. Here's what Christmas is inviting you to do. You come in the small way and God will show up in a big way. God will help you in a big way. Believer, are you wondering if God has forgotten you? That God, maybe God answered your prayer, but he sent you too inadequate of an answer to your prayer. I mean, you asked for a forest and all you got was a stump. It looks like it's been cut off. I mean, you, you gotta feed thousands of people, but what you're left with is a few loaves and fish. The cupboard's almost bare. You know, you don't send a boy to do a man's job. Is that what God has done with you? Don't be fooled by appearances. 
It's not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me ask you this question. Are you willing to be small enough to let God be big? Now, believer, are there some small things that you could do that would make a big difference? Yes, trust God, trust his word. Have you been baptized? That may seem like a small thing, but that's a, that could make a big difference. Have you been baptized yet? Are you giving an invitation to a friend to join you on the journey? That could be such a small thing. I'd love for you to come to Christ's journey with me, but it can make a big difference. Are you willing to do the small thing to let God show up in a big way? That's part of a lesson. Are you small enough to be big? Are you willing to do the small thing so that other people can feel loved in a big way? Offer a smile, make eye contact, give a compliment to somebody, say thank you for, for whatever somebody has done for you and you're appreciative of it and you say thank you and you make it verbal. Say I love you to the people you love. I don't know we can ever say that too much to our kids to our loved ones, to our families, to our wives and our husbands. I love you. It's a small thing. Go a big way. You can take time. Sometimes taking time to be a friend and love your neighbor, to offer the gift of time is a big deal. You know, we, we'll be doing this uh, this afternoon, actually, at uh, Dante Fassell Park, potluck in the park, with our neighbors from Temple Beth Am. We're just gonna go love our neighbors. You know, I'm going, I hope you'll come. You can find information in your app if you need to know more. But this is what Christmas is about, right? It invites us to warm things up. You know, there's an old Christmas carol with a cold, not so great title, In the Bleak Midwinter. Bleak means desolate, empty. And uh, midwinter, in the song, as you sing the song, it says the water, it says that uh, water is like a stone. In other words, it's frozen solid. It's so cold. And then there is snow, snow on snow, snow on snow. I mean, snow, it is layers deep of snow in this desolate, empty, cold. And then the second verse surprises you and says, and oh my, the Lord God Almighty shows up in Jesus Christ in a stable, and then Mary worships him with something small, a kiss. You know how big a small kiss can be? And then the final stanza says this, what shall I give him, poor as I am? My resources are limited. If I were a shepherd, I'd give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I'd do my part. What shall I give him? I'll give him my heart. Small is big when God is in it. In uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, after the last battle for Narnia, the kings and queens and their faithful company have been forced by their opposition into a small stable at the top of a hill. And it's a stable that so far in the story, it has only held powers that opposed the rightful royalty of Narnia. And now they're being forced into it and King Tyrion of the Narnians has no idea what is waiting for them as they go in. And from the other side, looking back, he, he sees the stable door 
behind him, and he sees Narnia on its last evening, but when he turns around, he is amazed. Instead of being confined by the stable that they just entered, he can hardly believe his eyes. There's blue sky overhead. There are grassy fields as far as you can see wherever you look. And uh, he says, it seems then that the stable seen from within and the stable seen from without are two different places. Yes, he's told by a guest from our world, its inside is bigger than its outside. And Queen Lucy, the first ever to set foot in Narnia from our world, says this, into our world too, a stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. Tyrion discovers that the stable is the place where what is inside is bigger than what is outside, and it had something in it that is bigger than the whole world. And of course, that stable, what she was speaking of, was a stable in Bethlehem where Messiah, Messiah was born, and small was never bigger than it was on that day. You know, God didn't send a jack. God sent his king to do the job. And unto us, a child was born and the government would be on his shoulders and we would call him wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Would you be willing to let God show you how big small can be. Then lean in and do this. Don't underestimate God. Instead, approach him with faith in his latent potential and trust him to show up for you in a big way that may start in a small thing. Would you pray with me? That small first step is trusting Messiah for yourself. I want to invite you to do that right now. And then as we grow, it proceeds through small acts of kindness that we practice with our thoughts, with our words, with our deeds that can change our world too. So wherever you are in your journey, would you join me in this prayer? Lord Jesus, we welcome you and bring our small faith to trust your bigness and invite you to have your way in our mind, in our soul, in our heart, in our lives, and in our world. Bless our families and our friends and our neighbors this Christmas and help us show up in small ways that can make a big difference. And now for those seeking, for whom this could be your very first step forward to know God in a personal way. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins as I turn from my way to go your way and invite you to have your way in my life. I'm trusting you and I receive you as my savior. In your name I pray, amen.